Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 607 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, hello. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm, I'm, I got my energy up, and I'm ready to go. Good. I'm glad. Uh, I was a sleepy boy before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I got myself all riled up, you know? Yep. Should be a short show, though, Joe. It could be. It could be. Uh, we got most of the uh, side chatter out before we started recording this. <laughs> yep. But after we did After Dark, that's all again. That's the $50 Patreon tier. <laughs> that's the wibbly wobbly stuff. You know? But we have news this week to talk about, Todd. Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel licenses one of the most familiar characters in all of comics. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Eisner Awards are out, and, uh, you know, we're not awards guys, but it's an interesting list. Right. Uh, the first of the sub-stack books are making their way to regular print comics, uh, and a movie that I didn't even know was being made was taken away from me before I could get a chance to enjoy it. Oh. Uh, We have also conventions this weekend to discuss what we read this past week, which is Thor number 25 and Fables number 151, what we're looking forward to coming out this week, uh, and I know we have a Todd's Art Attack, and I don't know when, oh, and we have, oh, 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 before we get into that, (laughs) we also have the the results of the final first round matchup. Right of the silver standard and the beginning of the second round where the ringers are coming in, not the ringer. I think he advanced. Um, We'll get, we'll get to that when we get to that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know if we talked about it last week. I don't know if it was available last week, but I think uh, not that it really makes a huge difference for us, but we'll, we'll get into it when we get into TV talk. Right. Which there isn't any of, but it's, you know, just something to discuss. Right, right. All right. So, um, Marvel um, have signed a 20-year deal to license the name and likeness of Stan Lee, quote, for future feature film and television productions as well as use in Disney theme parks and experiences worldwide. To which I say, I'm surprised it took this long to happen. I think there was some legal wranglings. Remember all the lawsuits that like Stan had going back in the day? Yeah, and there was, like, like, stuff with, like, maybe a housekeeper or a live-in nurse. Not even that stuff. It was the people, like, he was, like, there was, like, Stanley Media or whatever. Yeah. And and he was fighting with them because he wasn't part of them anymore or whatever. That's probably why it took so long. Disney finally worked all that stuff out. So, to this I say, wouldn't it have just been cheaper to cut Dan the man Lee a paycheck and just, you know, go forward from here? I don't know. I think he'd be more expensive. I think he'd be more in, you know, in, you know, more wanted than than what they're doing. I think he's like, hey, you know how good I am? Put an extra zero on that check. Well, all joking aside, um, you know, we we say, you know, th- I, I would say that this 20-year contract that Marvel has 
put in. Let's just hope Dan the man can hang out for another 20 years and keep cashing, you know, those smaller checks, you know? I, I hope so. This is his time to shine. And if you're going to do it, why not just get him? Do you, like, you have people dressed as other characters for Disney. Yeah. Just just sign them up, man. Well, that's just what I was him, saying. Yeah, just let him play Stan. But, oh, okay, I thought you meant, like, just, like, bring in Dan the Manly as Dan, you know? But, no, I get No, no, br- like, like, he is our... You know, he is our Stanley impersonator emeritus. I would be fine with that. Yeah, you know, unless, eh, well, and again, I, I don't think, I know, you, I don't want to decry the good name of Dan the Manly. I know your feelings on him. Wow. I'm in um, Dan's corner, man. But, and like people, and again, I don't know what people's thoughts are on this, but I think people are like, I can't believe Marvel would do something like this. And as Todd mentioned, I think the only thing that was preventing it from happening sooner was all the legal wranglings around Stanley's name and likeness and image and so forth. Because um, I think the day that Dan or Stanley passed away, <laughs> if there wasn't all this other nonsense going on, the ink wouldn't have been dry and before his body was in the ground. And this is all very morbid to say. Yep. Um, as long as it wasn't the ink with his blood in it, that's all I care about. They no, they mix that. They're gonna mix that in with the first Stanley comic that they put out that like chronicles his life or something. <sighs> but yeah, no, and and here's the thing, everybody, because there are a lot of people like beat that you know dead horse literally, like all this stuff. This is morbid. This is whatever. I I don't know how the man thought, but I get an idea by how he worked. And he is the, you know, he is the the prototype for, you know, Funky Flashman and Miracle and Mr. Miracle. Uh, I, I think he would have been fine with this. He was a he was a showman, a salesman, a huckster, whatever you want to call it. I think he would be 100 percent fine with this, especially if his family is getting some dinero. Right. And of course, that's the other thing. Huckster was the first word that comes to my mind. This seems like this would have been right up Stan's alley. And I'm sure whatever remaining family members are going to get a nice check from uh, the mouse, you know? You, you know what I'd really like to see at, at uh, Disney? Is like, you know, like wherever they put Marvel World at Disney. Like, you know, they have that. Then, then they have, like, instead of the Hall of Presidents, they have the animatronic Marvel creators get like Stan and Jack and you know like any of the other like Ramita Senior you know he's still alive but you get what I mean and yeah. just have them up there like the robots telling the story of like and then we created Spider Man you know what I mean I would be totally fine with that as long as all the families get checks man right So uh, just, you know, moving along here, um, the Eisner Awards came out, and I think the Eisners are at New York Comic Con these days, right? I get confused on where the, all the award shows are at because they kept moving around, remember? Yeah, I know the Eisners were at Baltimore, and then they got scooped up by someone else. See, I don't think the Eisners were at Baltimore. Uh, what was that? The Harveys were at Baltimore. That's what it was. And the Harveys are what got scooped up. Right. And then Baltimore went and created the Wearingo Awards. Right. So those have rolled out. But the reason I bring this up is um, that one of the things that got a ton of nominations specifically was the Tom Taylor run on Nightwing. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it be like single issues, continuing series, um, you know, art and color and writer and everything else like that. And I don't know, this feels like the first time that a DC book, uh, like a DC superhero book, has gotten this sort of critical acclaim in like quite some time. Yeah, I would agree. And it's San Diego has the Eisner Awards. There but, you uh, um, yeah, because it, it always seems like, and we've talked about this, like when it comes to like the highfalutin comic book awards, not the wizard awards that they don't do anymore, um, like Eisner's, it's like a lot of stuff that me and you are entrenched in comics. And it's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, and whenever I see a Nightwing, it's like, ooh, I hope that wins, you know? Right. And I think like Brubaker got a couple for one of the Reckless books, yep. you know? Yep. Um, but I think like Nightwing is up for like six of the awards specifically. Right. And like uh, individuals like Bruno Redondo for like yeah. artists and stuff like that. So I don't know. I just think that's pretty cool to see, um, you know, and as Todd mentioned, an award that typically goes to the non-superhero comic book stuff, mm-hmm. have a superhero comic breakthrough and be nominated and probably has a really good chance of winning stuff, you know? Yep. I totally agree. And I hope Bruno really wins it because like he makes what he does. He, he scares me how effortless he like makes things look and be cool in, in Nightwing or whatever book he's doing all the way back to that. And I'll never forget the, the story of your wife seeing the, the suicide squad page yeah. by him where Deadshot's daughter jumps into his arms. Like that was where I was like, this guy's going places and mm-hmm. put that Eisner on his desk right now. That's yeah. And I think he specifically, uh, Bruno Redondo, is nominated for uh, penciler and cover artist. Right. And I could certainly look at the field and say, like, oh, he'll definitely win. But, you know, I like when the books. So it's not like I want the books that I win, that I read to win awards. Mm-hmm. But when the books that I read win awards, that means they're going to keep making those books. And I get to read them longer. Yep, or that those creators are going to be around a lot longer. Yeah, like yeah. even if, if they're like, "Oh, my Nightwing runs over," like I'm going to go do this because like Tom Taylor and Redondo, they end up, uh, uh, they end up, you know, doing like they've done like three, four projects now together. So I'm like, when they start winning awards, give them the checks, and now they'll be able to be like, "Ah, oh, we're doing Batman now," you know, what I mean, or whatever they want, you know. So mm-hmm. gives them it gives them you know the crowbar to get in where they need. And now, uh, so we've talked before as the Substack revolution started. I follow all the different creators just to see what they're doing. But I still haven't made the full bite to go and get all that stuff digitally or whatever it is that they do over there, right? Right. And I know we had talked a couple weeks ago that James Tinney and maybe had an exclusive variant cover for the Sandman book that he was doing mm-hmm. that you can only get if you're a Substack person. Right. Uh, but now Tom King's book that he was doing on his Substack with uh, artist Elsa Chartier, Love Everlasting, is coming out this August from Image. Mm-hmm. Now, is it silly for me to pay money for a comic book that I can just go read for free over on his Substack, maybe it isn't. It isn't. But go ahead. Right. But I'm still a physical media guy. I haven't pulled the plug yet to plug into digital only. 
Right. Now, are all the issues going to be free on Substack? Um, Because that's well, the one thing. Uh, issue one is free. Right. And I think only issue one is out. Right. So that's. No, no. The- hang on. Issue two is here. Hang on. Mm-hmm. See, when the way I read uh, it, so, only. Okay. So issue one is out there for free. Mm-hmm. Issue two, you have to pay for through whatever it is, the subscription part of a Substack. Right. Then I have no problem with someone paying for issue one because it's like, oh, well, I'm not going to go to Substack. Like, I can read the one digitally for free, but how long is that going to be free? Forever? Yeah. You know, blah, blah, blah. But you pay for the one. And if you, en- here's what I say read the free one if you enjoy it. Then you can buy a physical copy and buy the physical copies of two, three, four, like whatever. But if you want to do the Substack route, then go go that route. But if you know what I'm trying to say, Joe, like that's a reason to buy the first one, even though it's free. If you're going to yeah. get two, three, and four, I have OCD like that. So yeah, I'm with you. And like I said, I'm I'm still a physical media guy. I still like to get my physical books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was that Friday book that Brubaker, uh, does, uh, that I get the digital. And then when the trades came out, um, like, again, that's not through Substack, that's through his own separate thing. Uh, but when the, the trades came out, I got the trades too, you know? Right, right. But I, I enjoy Tom King's stuff. So I'm looking forward to this. It looks very crime noir-ish, you know? Mm-hmm. And I could very easily go and read the first issue for free digitally to see if it's worth my actual money to buy a physical copy of it. But and as I got you like should. two months to figure that out. Right. And as I'm over here scratching my arm, just waiting for Human Target to come back, Joe. Right. Uh, last but not least in the news, um, apparently there was going to be a Wonder Twins movie. Yep. And I didn't even know they were even on the slate to have a Wonder Twins movie. And But now it doesn't matter because it's been canceled. Yep. See, it was one of those things that I I, I kind of remember. I was like, did I send that to Joe back? Like, Because it was only like a month ago um, that they announced it. It wasn't long, a month and a half maybe. I think maybe it was February because that, yeah. that, I was looking it up. And I was like, oh, well, let me send this. And I know how like me and you are like – uh, we're not, unless it's like near and dear, close to our heart. Like I, and we did like wonder twins. We don't do a lot of the movie TV talk, like what's going on. So I don't remember if I sent it, but I was kind of shocked when it got yanked off the plate, you know, the slate, um, for the movies. And like, I guess it was because it had too high of a budget. They were saying it was like a $70 million wonder Oof. twin budget. And I'm like, that doesn't seem a lot for a movie these days, especially with superpowers. I think because it wasn't going to be the 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 plan, I guess, was it wasn't going to be theatrical. It was going to be just an HBO Max. Mm -hmm. And it looks as though, you know, with the Discovery purchase from a couple months ago. Right. They were looking at the slate of Warner projects that had (laughs) high end budgets but not theatrical aspirations. Right. They're really and hoping that was the, that was the with, stuff that got caught. Right. With their, with the, with they have all their money in Aquaman two with Amber Heard and, and flash with Ezra Miller. Right. So bankable properties with non problematic folks. I completely ex- understand it. Exactly. Um, 
but yeah, so I'm kind of sad. But I, I feel as though this is a property that has, um, you know, the 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 uh, Mark Russell maxi series was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe if it got a little bit more critical acclaim. But I think Wonder Twins is something that people know for better or for worse. Yep. And I think if they're able to repitch it with a lower budget, it could probably get made. Yep. And but what I feel I feel bad for uh the guy who was in Riverdale who was gonna be Zan. Like they just announced that Riverdale's like the ne- the next season is the last season. He's like, Oh, well, I got some of that sweet superhero money and like the Wonder Twins, and it didn't go his way. So Oh well, and he'll, like we go ahead. He'll get something else, I'm sure. Right, and I would have liked if uh, uh, Mark Russell got some, you know, like if they used his script and he got some money, would have been really cool. So, you know, yeah, got like some sort of like name in the credits or something. Right, or used his script, or like use like if they use like the Scrambler as the villain, he created him. Right, they get some of that, you know, that cheddar, yeah. if you will. That that being said, I recall. Uh, and obviously, I, I would certainly hope um, Warner DC's deals might be different than uh, Marvel Disney deals. But obviously, this was pre-Disney. Uh, Brubaker says uh, in interviews that he gets paid more for his cameo in Winter Soldier mm-hmm. than he does for creating Winter Soldier. DC is way better about that, though. Yeah. Because, like, the guy who created El Diablo um, for the first Suicide Squad movie, yeah, um, the fire character, he's, like, he's on, he was on, like, Facebook, like, here's the house I bought my mother with the, you know, the royalty checks from the Suicide Squad movie. <laughs> and, like, I've said this story, like, a million times that, like, Jim Starlin's, like, I get more money from DC using the KG Beast in Batman v Superman than I do from all of the Thanos stuff in the Marvel movies. But they created like these characters at a different time when DC had a really good, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Royalty program that they don't have anymore. You know what I mean? So right. that's why George Perez, you know, God rest his soul. He like, he was able to walk away from comics because he did all that stuff. Like he created Raven and cyborg and all that like stuff. During that royalty era, Deathstroke, it's like, oh, when you did that, like you get more of the money. Now it's like, ah, oh, we you get you get an attaboy if you create something. And I'll, I'll always remember uh, DC effectively creating superpowers, the toy line, mm-hmm. so they can cut Jack Kirby a check. Yep, and a lot of people who did the Thundar the Barbarian cartoon got him to do all the stuff so they could, you know, because they felt bad for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and were like awestruck. They're like, we want to work with Jack, you know. And when you go back and you look at Thundar the Barbarian, how Kirby was that show, man? Woof. Yeah. I wonder if someone, some entrepreneurial licensor, can go and like get the rights to a Kirby. Or a Steve Ditko or something like that and like use their likenesses in something, you know? Steve Ditko would be haunting everybody from beyond the grave. Yeah. Um I, but I, I take would, I take my chances. But with Jack, I, I'm really surprised Marvel hasn't tried it. Yeah. You know, like there's a lot of bad blood between the Kirby family and Marvel, but I could see them like, hey, you know, we're not we're not going to give you any rights to any of the characters. But how about we cut you a big check for the animatronic Jack Kirby in the Hall of Marvel 
creators. He won't say anything, but he'll be standing next to Stanley waving. <laughs> right, with a cigar in his mouth. Yeah. No, I Don't can't have like, anybody smoking. That's, that's going right. to send a bad idea to kids. Wolverine right. can't smoke. Jack Kirby can't smoke. He'll just uh, be, we'll just have him cranked up to 11 drawing at his uh, art table. Right. You know, pumping out pages slower than he actually did in real life. <laughs> I and and again, this is maybe one of the more morbid episodes that we had, just talking about so many people's deaths and stuff. Right. In that, uh, they probably have to wait for like the first two generations of Jack Kirby family to pass, <laughs> and then hit the third generation that doesn't remember all the stuff from the seventies and eighties. Right. Yeah. Pretty much like the grand the, the grandkids or the great grandkids are like, I'm tired of hearing about great grandpa Jack. Oh. <laughs> Oh, we're terrible people, but that's okay. Yep. Uh, so, hey, uh, these are some places where you can meet some non-terrible people. Patent, uh, uh, buyer beware, buyer beware. <laughs> uh, there are some conventions this weekend. Uh, most notably, and again, we try not to do every convention when there's a big weekend, but it's Memorial Day weekend, so there's a ton of them out there. Um, firstly... Phoenix Fan Fusion uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. Excuse me. Uh, on the creator side, Bart Sears, who's making the rounds this year um, for, you know, for whatever that is. He has uh, the aforementioned Jim Starlin, John Romita Jr., and Todd McFarlane is going to be there. Yep. Uh, Bart Sears is pushing a book that he, I guess, f- crowdfunded. So Gotcha. That's It's called, like, uh, Head... Head choppers or something like that. I, I have to look it up, but that's the reason. Uh, on the media guest side, though, uh, qu- runs quite the gamut of folks. Um, oh boy, Chris Eccleston is a Doctor Who. Yep, but he canceled. So. Oh, he did cancel since I did the notes. Yes. Uh, Chuck Norris did. Chuck Norris cancel. I don't. I. I. I don't think you. The a con can, cancels Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris cancels a con. So. <laughs> uh, John Barrowman is yep. going to be there. I believe so. Uh, Patrick Warburton's going to be there. Right. And uh, this is, uh, you know, I'd say on the top five list if you can get the double marked photo with uh, Billy West and John DiMaggio. That would be great. Get them to do your voicemail on your phone. Yeah, I'm sure that won't cost you a million dollars. Well, I know a lot of the voice actors were doing that at shows, so. Mm-hmm. I was looking, and sadly, uh, not on the list that Katie Seagal was at this convention, but. Oh, sure. That would have been a great one. Get the three of them. Yep. As a Mark photo. Oh, baby. Uh, also this weekend, uh, Fanboy Expo Columbus, separate from Fan Expo. Right. And I not just want to. What was that? I just, I just want to say Fanboy Expo Columbus has the modern-day Abe Vigoda for me, but go ahead. Uh-oh. Right. Who is that? Lee Majors. I, I thought he was gone. Really? Yeah. Nah, I, Lee Majors is doing all right. He's going to be in Columbus, Ohio this weekend. Right. Well, I thought he was, he's, you know, he's like, is he alive? Is he dead? I thought Lee Majors was gone a long time ago. So, okay. Star uh, of Raven. So, <laughs> the TV uh, show Raven. I don't know that TV show. I know the $6 million man. Right. And the Fall Guy. I was going to say, and the Fall Guy, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Kane Hodder is going to be there, who was uh, Jason in a bunch of the Jason movies. Right, and his uh, twin brother Kane Colder. No. no. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tia Carrera is going to be there. I remember her. I do too. Tiffany is going to be there. Do you remember Tiffany? I think we're alone now. Right. Uh, star of the hit film Body Slam and nothing else, Dirk Benedict <laughs> I, is going to be there. I hate when you do that. <laughs> Listen, if he was in one thing bigger than Body Slam, I could see it, but there's no way he was in at least two things bigger than Body Slam. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and then from the world of uh, sports and entertainment, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts uh, Lex Luger, the exonerated Jerry the King Lawler, and uh, I'm sure since it's a multi-day event doing the double or triple gimmick infringement, uh, the Godfather slash Papa Shango. Uh, yeah, because in the, uh, the the things for the talent, they have the picture of him as the Godfather and Papa Shango. Right. So I hope, like you said, he, he gets all the monies. From that, um, and is Luger Luger? Uh, d- does he take the boot that that he wore when he when he broke his leg to the shows? You're is thinking that... of Sid Vicious. Oh, I'm getting confused. Okay, I'd rather not. I'll just say the the 2000s were not great for Lex. <laughs> right, he's doing a lot better now. Does how much of the royalties does he get for the gun they named after him? No, well. None. 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 The show's already been too dark. We're not going to go down that road. Maybe we could talk about it off air if you don't really remember. I'm writing something down. All right. Uh, But, hey, the links to those conventions will be in the show notes, uh, along with information about Soon To Be Named Network at soontobenamednetwork.com, soontobenamednetwork.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows in the Soon To Be Named Network go live, you can find them over at soon to be named network.com of course your podcatchers and everything else those are great but the folks on soon to be named network might show up on other podcasts as long as they remind me that they were uh it'll show up there as well it's your one-stop shop for everything soon to be named network right uh you could also go check out uh our friend kevin uh his blog over at mass library rick williams the chop shop uh, he does a bunch of cool uh, resin and glow-in-the-dark sci-fi, fantasy, and wrestling-themed things. Uh, Jason Sandberg and Chris Runt are longtime listeners of this show. They both have self-published comic books. You can go and check out the links in the show notes and purchase those books from them. Uh, if you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop. Comics on the Green, I have the link up to their Facebook page. Uh, That's where they're more active on social media, and they also have a Facebook store set up. You could use those links there to sign up for their mail order subscription service, whether they send you the books once a month, uh, once a week, twice a month, however it is. There's a chance that you can get a sketch on your package from our good friend Becky, and you can go check out her social media, which is all linked up in the show notes as well, to see uh, her work, her process, her prints, and everything that she's been doing. Uh, She's a fantastic artist. Yep. Uh, So now let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. uh, I'll turn things over to you to start with Thor number 25. Right, Um, which is written by Donnie Cates and art by Martin Colloquio. 
I hope I got that right. Um, but this was after uh, the legacy numbering of 750, which uh, then we got a 25, which was nice. After a big six or seven ninety nine book, I got a five ninety nine book, so that was nice. Um, and there are also two other stories in here which I didn't really care for, so uh, I'm not going to talk too much about. Um, but this is after the Banner of War Alpha. Um, the heroes are realizing that they've heard uh, rumblings of the Hulk fighting out in space, and they're like, "There's like a fake out too that I really like." Where. Uh, uh, Iron Man saying how he knew the way, the way it was. And I'm like, this is the dumbest thing ever. And then he kind of turns it on his head. And Iron Man's like, well, you know, after what happened at that bar in El Paso, which we're starting to get more information about, um, he says, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go handle this. And while that's going on, um, we're with the fight between Thor and Hulk and Odin, who's been possessed by the, uh, that he has his, soul in the hammer he goes in and he talks to bruce banner inside the big like hulk machine if you will and they end up he ends up discovering what happened in el paso and it is kind of very very dark um i enjoyed it i want to find out what's behind it because i don't believe um everything that we're seeing like happened um, like somebody's behind it as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then at the end, obviously, uh, Iron Man shows up to move the story along, but, uh, it's just a big, big fight kind of a deal. Like this is like those old timey, uh, uh, what do I want to call it? Like the, uh, the old days, like Hulk versus Thor. We're getting what it's, what it says on the tin. So, uh, I've been enjoying this and I'm intrigued like with the backstory of El Paso. Yeah, so um, as the El Paso stuff was being discussed, I was thinking to myself, did I miss what happened in El Paso? Like, I know it was discussed, but I went back and I, like, thumbed through the other issues of Hulk, and I'm like, no, none of that was ever mentioned before. Right, but like, what, right, something happened in El Paso. Yeah, yeah. Um, And this was, we get to see what happened. I'm I'm in 100% agreement with you. Um, it's so difficult to trust what's going on in these Hulk books, just because the Hulk, especially these days, like he's always been, but especially these days, I feel he's very easily manipulated and as his banner by right. uh, process of elimination. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're a couple issues removed from it. So I think I, I feel safe in talking about this. Um, so. Inside the ship where Banner is piloting things, mm-hmm. uh, Betty is there. And right before this crossover started, we were starting to get a reveal that Betty wasn't who it seemed she was. Right. And we never got the full reveal, but they more or less teased that it was his father, or at least a representation of his father. But now mm-hmm. in these last two issues... She's just kind of there, looking normal, still trying to manipulate Bruce, but I don't feel as though, like, that little plot thread that we had in regards to it possibly might be the manifestation of his father has been addressed in these last couple issues. I I agree. Um, Though, like, I honestly don't think it is his father. um, No, no, neither do I. But it was like, it's definitely not Betty. It's probably not his father, but like we were starting to get a little bit of who that was. And now it's just like, oh, that's on hold for right now. 
Right, because this is the big dust up. It's Hulk versus Thor. We don't want to get. We don't want this bogged down in plot, Joe. Um, eh, Touche. But no, I get you, um, and I do like the fact that in the like where El Paso, the the flashback takes place, like they're they're acknowledging Immortal Hulk. You know what I mean? Like it happened. Like I pretty much like won that. Like and these things happen, which makes me like doubly feel that it's not. Uh, the father I think it's because it's it's always recently everybody thinks it's this character especially on TV and in the movies always thinks it's Mephisto now so their copy of the first appearance of Mephisto will go up I think it's actually Mephisto in this like with the red hue especially like when she shows up Mephisto was kind of like a Thor villain ish for a while and I think he's manipulating all this so he can go after Thor Remember we had the Heroes uh, Reborn thing a couple years back? And I say a couple, like maybe like a year and a half ago. Okay. And Mephisto was the lead thing in that. It was the Jason Aaron, Ed McGinnis thing. Right. Where like the Avengers had been disappeared and Mephisto was behind that. And then that just kind of sort of went away. Yep. And then at the end of Nick Spencer's Spider-Man thing it was revealed that Mephisto was the one who was kind of pulling the strings behind everything that was going on with Norman and Harry Osborn. Right. And then that just kind of went away when Nick Spencer went off the book. Um, so, well, uh, I, is Marvel like stealthily with Mephisto being in Spider-Man and Hulk and Avengers books and stuff like that. Are they setting up some sort of like big Mephisto event under our noses? It could be, and if anybody's going to carry it along, like, yes, I like Jason Aaron and his Avengers and everything, but his Avengers seem very flat as far as I'm concerned, where if if um, Miss Fisto shows up in a Donny Cates book, like, we're still seeing stuff out of Thanos. We're still seeing stuff out of his Forrester Silver Surfer mini. We're seeing stuff out of Venom. You know what I mean? Like, all this is like going to come together at some point. Mm-hmm. And if Mephisto is in this, he will be involved down the line. He's making it all come together at some point. Gotcha. So, so let's get into the book that I was most looking forward to coming out this week, uh, which was fables number one fifty one. Uh, it has been many years since there's been an issue of fables. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not get a chance to reread everything before this came <laughs> out. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I think the last issue of Fables, if I look at my Gazintas, uh, listen, it was only seven years ago, okay? Mm. So it's not like Saga numbers, okay? Right. How long ago was Saga? Uh, Saga was, well, no, Saga was six, wasn't it? So it was Saga. It's bigger than Saga numbers. Right. There was a, there was a six year gap for Saga. I think it was something, it was pretty big. Uh, I'd have to go back and double check, but it was pretty big. I don't think it was six, but anyway, go ahead. Anyway. Uh, so obviously, uh, they touted this as picking up right where 150 picks left off, but also where, um, you know, and it's also a new entry point, right? Right. And there's like three stories that are going on in this. And I remember from my fables reading that all these three stories are going to be interconnected, even though they're not interconnected right now. 
Um, we have the story of Snow White and Bigby Wolf and their kids essentially um, moving back into the woods. Okay. Um, we have someone who is the new Jack in the green that may or may not be Rose Red. And then the villain that they defeated at the end of issue 150 um, is probably not dead. Okay. So no spoilers because at least that last one is right in the solicitation of this book. Um, you know, so it's going to take a little while to get back into it. And I wish I did have more time to go back and read everything to get myself more familiarized with this. Um, but, uh, I enjoyed it. Okay. That's good. Um, yeah. Like I like, um, the bravo, I like the way in which Bill Willingham writes Bigby Wolf. Um, he kind of writes him like Wolverine, if that makes any sense. Right. Where he's kind of like too cool for the room, but not like threatening in a way where he's constantly like, uh, going into violent berserker rages. (laughs) Everyone's aware of his berserker rages and he just has to give them a passing mention and that's enough. Right. Um, I look forward to the the story where he's like old and fat and still getting by on those old stories of him being the toughest person in the world. Um, but it's a beautiful book. Mark Buckingham's art is beautiful. Um, it's just sadly not as reader friendly as I would hoped or they advertised it being. Right. And that's pretty much reader friendly, new reader friendly. I get you. Um, My thing is that's kind of why, and I don't have too many questions because fables is something I actually want to read. So I'm kind of like, I'm, you know, I don't want to, you know, I mean, it's my fault if something gets spoiled now, but like, I'm not going to ask specific questions about it, but as long as, you know, you enjoyed it. uh, uh, But my thing is I did look up something while we were talking. Uh, Saga ended in 2018. And then came back at the first month of 2022 in January. So it was like three and a half years gone, Saga was. Okay, so uh, the last issue of Fables before this one came out was March of 2015. Right, so that was a little longer. Yeah, a little bit longer, but still, long time. Glad it's back. Uh, it's only tw- They're only doing 12 issues, so uh, I'm here for it. You know, I gotta, I gotta have it to complete the collection, and luckily it's uh, not too bad. You completest you. Yeah, listen. So are you. I'm not buying multiple copies to put in multiple boxes, you know? That's not a completist. That's just making reading easier. Mm-hmm. Anywho, a way to make uh, more <laughs> reading more easy is what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon, we put out the poll post which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books digitally, whether you get them in print, whether you're waiting for the hardcovers, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd has a lead over me of four correct guesses. Right. And I go first. Your list is smaller than mine. And I'm going to guess the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Saga 59. 
No, it's not. Yes, it is. It's Saga 59. I'm not even going to hang it out there too long. Um, Is the book you're looking forward to most also Saga 59? It is Saga 59. And also, I really enjoyed your sandpaper smooth segue to get into what we're looking forward to. Oh, this yes, yes. That was writer, beautiful. That writer's being fired. Don't worry about it. <laughs> right. Now, hey, I'll throw this out there. Um, I just learned this past week in doing my, uh, I think this is an off-air conversation, uh, my June, July, August pull list. Mm-hmm. This was off-air. And uh, Saga's only back for six issues. Yep, they were saying that, I mean, even back when they did it the first time, they would do little, like, I don't know how long, like a couple breaks between yeah. storylines. So to give everybody to recharge their batteries or whatever. So I'm fine with that. As long as they they acknowledge the amount of time between each, you know, uh, I call them not miniseries, but you know what I mean? Like, it, it's going to be a six-issue trade and then maybe take a month, two months, three months off. I'm fine with that. But now you have to go to the finish line like that. No more than three months between uh, storylines. Right. Three months in a day, we're coming looking for you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and the uh, current 2022 placeholder for Todd and Joe have issues, and that is the Silver Standard, where we are attempt the Silver Standard of Rogues Galleries. We all know that the Flash has the best Rogues Gallery in all of comics. Todd and I, with your help, are attempting to determine who is the second best. Todd has Batman as the second best. I have Spider-Man as the second best. Random pairings put together into a uh, bracketed spreadsheet by listener of the show, Grinch McScrooge. And uh, you, the listeners, vote on everything uh, at the, end, uh, at the uh, end of the episode for the, the week leading up to the next week's episode, right? Yep, yep. So uh, this was the final first-round matchup, and sadly, it was a close one. Is it was a nail-biter. I didn't want to be accused of any sort of uh, <laughs> uh, voter misdoings. Um, I saw that Banjo was in the lead and I could have just stayed quiet, but I'm like, nope, I have to do my due diligence. And uh, sadly, Banjo does not move on. The eraser does uh, to the second round. Banjo got erased. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, as the second round starts, uh, there's two things about it. Of course, as it stands, more Batman people have moved on to the second round than Spider-Man people, which happens. Right. Now, the other thing of that is each of us had, um, I think, what was it, six people that got buys into the first round? I believe that's the number. Uh, let me look here. I could be wrong. Yes, but... we had six people that uh, that were like our six top picks, right? Mm-hmm. They moved on to the second round, so everything has been kind of finagled in a way to put, you know, um, matchups together. So it's Spider-Man versus Batman people, but because there's more Batman people, we're going to have a couple weeks where it's Batman villain versus Batman villain. And uh, Todd's going to have to make a sacrifice there as things go on, you know? That's right. I'll tell you who to vote for. All right. So, uh the first second round matchup uh, pits the uh, Todd's winner from week 17, the clock, 
against one of my top six six picks for Spider-Man bad tier villains. Right. So I'm going to let you know about this person, Todd. Now, when I give you his origin story, you're going to think that I'm giving you the origin story of a 50s Batman villain. Uh, which is maybe the reason why I put him in my top six. Um, so Gordon Thomas um, was just a regular guy. He went to the army with his brother. And his brother passed while in war. When he came back to the United States, his wife left him and took their son with him. So what would Gordon do in this instance? Became a sign maker. And while being a sign maker, a man by the name of George Finch bought the company that he worked for out from underneath him. And Gordon was laid off. So what does Gordon do? Use paint to write letters on his face and become the villain typeface. He has no powers. He has no extra abilities. He was just a guy who drew letters on his face and failed at doing crimes. Mm -hmm. After failing twice, he decided to become a vigilante on the side of good but was killed, allegedly, <laughs> uh, in Civil War Frontline. You remember Civil War Frontline? Uh, uh, the book where there was that, uh, that uh, uh, reporter, lead character, uh, Sally Floyd, who said that Captain America was out of date because he didn't know what Twitter or NASCAR were. Right. Uh, so... Uh, typeface decided to be on the side against the Superhero Registration Act. Um, and that got him put into one of those um, uh, uh, negative zone prisons. Mm -hmm. Who was his cellmate in one of those negative zone prisons? Don't A pre-penance speedball. Ooh. Now, there was a breakout... Uh, at one of these prisons and typeface was presumed dead for a very long time even so much in one of the issues of frontline that there was a stretcher with the white sheet and his arm with all the letters hanging off of it right mm -hmm. um however he has been shown as a background character in random issues of deadpool team up a fate worse than death so this guy was a military war veteran who decided to become a, a sign maker and then to become a villain did nothing other than write letters all over his body. So it's like the worst of your 50s Silver Age Batman villains and Mr. Zazz. And all these other things. Um, but yeah, just a poor design, a poor motivation, 
no powers. Like, he didn't even get, like, bit by a radioactive sign or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, that's that's why I... And, like, this was a character I remember at the time um, they were trying to introduce... And this is, like, a new character. Like, he was introduced in, like, the early to mid-2000s, right? If he was involved <laughs> in Civil War, you know? <laughs> right. So, at the time, they were really pushing him like he was going to be, like, this new big nemesis... Uh, for Peter Parker, and uh, like immediately, they're like, "Yeah, we messed this up. This guy's a nobody, and a, and a nothing, and it never will be." What, well, Joe? I think type the only time will tell on typeface, Joe. Right, he's gonna get that uh Deadpool team up, uh, where he's not made to look a fool, and then he'll be the biggest star in all the world. Wait until he's on She-Hulk. Uh, on Mar- on Marvel TV, like you know, like who knows who else they might have on there, like Frogman or something. That's gonna happen, and then everybody's gonna want the first appearance of Typeface, and you're gonna be sitting on that issue that you own, and you're gonna be like, I'm a rich, rich man. But uh, it's all fun and games until you have letters on your face. But uh, right. Uh, so that you know, he he's, he seems okay. Um, the character that's moved on for me um, from week seventeen, as you said, was the clock, Sugsy Kyle. No relation to Selena. That would be too crazy. Um, and as I've gone over this, he's just a clock-based villain, which was the prototype for maybe the Clock King. But he was so bad, they were like, "Let's just erase this, and we'll, you know, we'll redo it down the line." Has a terrible costume. He steals clock parts, like all the things that you would think a stupid clock gimmick villain would have. Um, just, you know. If you really want to dig deeper into this, other than the picture, we discussed this on episode 603 of Longbox Heroes. There's my seven-minute diatribe of why the the clock sucks. Um, I won't go into that here. Look that up. But don't even worry about it. Just vote for the clock over typeface, who's really, really cool with all his uh, letters on his face. Yeah, and his really cool powers, too. Well, the clock has no powers. You know what his power is? He can tell time, Joe. That's his power. All right. He can read a analog clock. Well, we shall see. It'll be up to you, the listeners, to vote to see who moves on to the next, next round. Mm-hmm. Uh, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did have an art attack this week. I believe we had two art attacks from the same person. Uh-oh. So um, from a bloop bloop bridge, he did two of them. He's like, Todd, to Todd's art attack, Megacon special broken up in chunks. This week, uh, he got Tula Latte's uh, and Joy's Electro Prince. Um, I don't know who Joy is, but from her mini art book, which is really nice, and a sick Martin Simmons print from Department of Truth. Um, I really like that Electro print, like, and the uh, Joy picture, like the greens on that one, and the red and the white uh, really pops, and it's almost like. The Electra one is almost like, I guess, a 3D one, because that's what it looks like, a 3D pick. You know what I mean? Uh, I think it definitely is supposed to give the uh, air of that, uh, but mm-hmm. I don't have uh, the polarized lenses here in front of me to check, you know? Right. Though might work for all I know, you know? Um, and also he sent in a double dose to give books some love. Comic book men, clerks, uh, Sig Smoker, offended... I don't know what the egg egg guy. I don't, okay. I don't know when. Oh, go ahead. You read it. I'll come back. 
Um, Walt Flanagan, taking interviews, by the way, newest book, Night of the Fifth Dimension. He offered sketches, and I needed a Sunday Jeff. All these are words to me. I don't understand a lot of this. I think it's cool. Um, I like the look of the book and the sketch that he got, but I have no knowledge of any of this. Walt Flanagan is a Kevin Smith guy. Right. I know that. Uh, in the Clerks, uh, he played the cigarette smoker, the offended customer who was very upset about what Randall was watching at the at the uh, quick stop and the guy who goes and searches for the eggs. That all you makes know, sense. The Kevin Smith's buddies were played multiple parts and literally just not even wear like sometimes he would have glasses on or sometimes he would have a different jacket on. Mm-hmm. Not even like a different hairstyle, you know? They gave him glasses for the egg scene. I kind of remember that well, was... He was... So he has glasses and he's wearing a suit as the egg guy. And mm-hmm. he has glasses on and he's wearing a different jacket as the offended customer. All right. And what threw me off was offended cust is C-U-S-T. So I'm like, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? Because it's been so long since I saw Clerks. But, you know, that's a cool. that's some cool gets, you know? Yes, uh, but I'm glad uh, that David had a good time at MegaCon. Uh, I know he lives down in that area, and it definitely looks like he had a good time. He got a lot yep. of cool stuff. Yep. Sorry, uh, I fumbled through that, Joe. That's all right. I wouldn't have had it any other way, Todd. Good, good. Uh, so if you uh, yourself are headed to any conventions this weekend or any time in the near future, and you're getting some sketches done, getting some prints done, or you yourself are a burgeoning artist, be sure to tag Todd's Art Attack on that, and we'll be sure to share it with the rest of the world. Uh, of course, I would be remiss not to mention what we have going on. Uh, head over to our Tee Public store, uh, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. It's a 35% off sale. Get stuff inspired by this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Oz with Wrestling. I didn't plug all the shows before, but that's okay. They're all over at soon-to-be-named-network.com. You know how that works. Um, Hit My Music is coming back this week with a new episode. Final Wrestling Place. All that stuff is over on our T Public store. You could get shirts and pins and stickers directly from me, and I would say that they're priced uh, fairly reasonably. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could also sign up for our Patreon as little as a dollar a month is going to get you two bonus shows every month from Todd and I won our movie show where we look at a different theme of movies throughout the year. This year, it's the works of independent filmmaker Mark Pirro. Uh, you also get previewing the past where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. We go through the catalog. We talk about it. We even put the full scans of the catalog up there so you could check that sort of stuff out as well. and up, you're going to get those podcasts two weeks before everyone else, and you're going to get Longbox Heroes After Dark two days before everyone else, so you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Yes. Another way that you can help us out is you can make any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-throughs, the banner at the top of the page over at longboxheroes.com, and it's also included as an affiliate link in all the show notes for every single one of these episodes. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include a multiple USB wall charger. Mm. uh, Where it's like you plug it in, you can put multiple USBs into one shot, you know? Right. Don't overload your fu- your penny fuses, Joe. Right. Well, I got the electrician coming here in the near future. That's a couple, two, three bucks. 
Uh, somebody purchased the Chirp Wheel Plus foam roller for back pain relief. Ooh, I need uh, that. Somebody also purchased uh, the Hasbro Marvel Legends um, Shadow Cat figure. Okay. And it's one of those things where to get you to buy the full set of a certain figure line, you know, mm-hmm. they put the Build-A-Figure pieces in there. Right. And the smaller actual figure that you're buying gets the larger Build-A-Figure piece. Right. That's so, like, so Shadow Cat gets like the torso. Shadow Cat gets like the giant torso of like Juggernaut Colossus. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's more plastic in the torso of the <laughs> Juggernaut Colossus than there is in the Shadow Cat. Well, isn't the Shadow Cat figure intangible, actually? So no, they oh. they're, they're they not this one in particular. Uh, this one is kind of like Marauders Shadow Cat looking. Okay. Uh, but they have done ones where she has like translucent bits on her, you know. Right. And I know how you love bits, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I didn't have to hear them, let alone see them. Right, but my thing was, I was hoping the figure was actually intangible. Like you try to grab it, and your hand just goes through it. No, they haven't. They haven't uh, perfected that technology yet. Soon, soon. Uh, somebody also purchased a Ben Presto uh, from Ronma One Half, and I remember Ronma One Half from looking at the anime section at the local Suncoast video. Hmm. And if I remember correctly, and I do apologize, I have to pull this back up because sometimes I just grab the listings and I don't really look at what some of these things are. Right. I only know Ramna one half from seeing it at the comic shop on the manga. T- like, you know what I mean? That's it. Gotcha. So this is like a little statuette, but it's like a super deformed sort of thing where it's like a big giant head. Right, and like, like a, a small body, but it's not a Funko Pop. It's like much bigger than a Funko Pop. It looks like Modoc or something. Uh, it's it's different than that. Okay. Uh, speaking of Funko Pop, somebody purchased a uh, two pack of the White Stripes Funko Pops. Somebody with great musical tastes, apparently. Does it come with an album? No. Do they sing? No, it's just Funko Pops. Uh-oh. And uh, somebody purchased the digital edition of I Hate This Place by Kyle Starks. And I think we have to put that almost up to uh, double digits of uh, units that we moved of that book for uh, our friend Kyle. That's right. Eight. Now we're definitely got to be around 10. Right. I I know. I bought two copies. I bought two copies. Right. If I do my gazintas, that's got to be at least 11 total, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so thanks to everyone who purchased anything uh, through the Amazon click through this week, this month, this year, this whenever, uh, you know, every little bit helps. Yes, it does. Uh, now, last but not least, um, of course, you know, no TV, no movies this week. But did I miss in between last week's recording and this week's recording that they moved Star uh, the Star Wars Obi-Wan show back? I thought it was next week on the 27th. Okay, so for the longest time, I had it in my notes as Wednesday. Because that's typically when all the Disney Plus shows would come out. They would come out on a The first new episode would be out on a Wednesday. And then in between recording um, last week and then Saturday, I saw that they had moved it from the 25th to the 27th. 
And I saw there was like some video of Ewan McGregor out there saying like, oh, we're just holding it off for a couple more days. I think it's to line up with some other Star Wars thing. I think so that it comes out like on the anniversary date, maybe of another Star Wars movie or something. But it like last week, I double checked the IMDb and it said it was coming on the 25th, the Wednesday. Not that it matters because we have, you know, whether it comes out on a, a Wednesday, a Thursday, a Friday, a Saturday, or a Sunday, or a Monday, we're talking about it next week, you know? Right. See, I don't remember it being moved a couple days. I know it was moved weeks at one point, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. I'll take your word for it, but I don't remember any of this. Yeah. I, I rem- I've, like I said, when the, I, I, somebody was talking about it on a podcast that I was listening to this past weekend, and I went and I tracked down the Ewan McGregor video where he said, like, oh, they made the decision. I'm not going to do an Ewan McGregor impersonation. Um, but he's like, oh, they just decided to hold it off a couple more days. Uh, don't worry, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, but yeah, Friday it comes out. So, right. Uh, I've done my best to avoid everything I can. Uh, I just, you and McGregor's in it, Joe. I know you and McGregor's in it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's been spoiled that Hayden Christensen's in it. Yeah, but uh, I don't see how that makes any sense, but mm-hmm. maybe a flashback? I don't know. Right, so that's the thing. I don't even know any of that. Like, I I well, want to go into this fresh. I want it to be special. I want it to be, you know, I want it to have that same feeling that we got when we watched, like, The Mandalorian and stuff, you know? The Mandalorian right, well, felt, like, different and cool and unique, you know? Well, because it's definitely, like, I don't know. Like, if this is a spoiler or not. But it takes place after the, la- the last prequel movie. So, I don't know, you know. So, that's why I'm confused on how Hayden Christensen, because he's, he's in the suit by that point. You know what I mean? That's true. So, I don't know. I'm like, uh, I don't know what we're doing here. Maybe he'll be a force ghost somehow. Uh, well, I was going to say, okay. So, he wouldn't be a force ghost. But mm-hmm. my thought process would be... um he's going to be like when they do the bits with Iron Man where Iron Man's in the (laughs) armor, but then we get the shot of like Tony Stark inside the thing. Yep. I think we're going to get shots like that of Hayden Christensen inside the Darth Vader thing. Yeah. All busted up, all burnt up. So he's got to put the makeup on. Yeah. Poor Hayden. And I definitely think there's going to be some flashback stuff too. Right, and then uh, not between now and the next show, because then after that is isn't uh, boys come back? Right. So, uh, you know, obviously, and if I'm looking at my calendar here, uh, so this Friday is Obi Wan, and then next Friday is the boys, and I think, like they did with the first two seasons, I think they're putting out two or two or three episodes the first day. Right, that's what I was worried about because that'll yeah. blow up your schedule. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Least- now, now, so see the uh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, that's I was gonna say. Wait a minute, that's season. Okay. Uh, give me a second here. Are you looking up what? Days? Yeah, they're putting the first three episodes out on the first day. Well, I'm gonna watch them all. And if you if you don't, when we talk about it, I'm just going to be like, here's everything that happened in the first three episodes. That's yeah, the way well, I'm playing this game anymore. Yeah, it looks like I, it looks like I'm watching them alone. <laughs> I know your wife can't wait to watch Homelander. 
She enjoyed the show. She enjoys the show, you know. No, I I know, but you say she always curses out the Homelander whenever it's on. Screen. Not a fan. Not a fan. Not a fan. I'm gonna get her, uh, you know, milk to watch while she's. Yes. All right. Well, that's enough of this. Let's wrap this up and let's get uh, let's get out of here, Todd. Yep. All right. So closing up episode six oh seven, Longbox Heroes for Todd. This is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.